You know, Paul says that the Galatian church should not promote the idea of circumcision for salvation. Very interesting. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hemmer. And I'm Janice. And this, of course, is Bible Discovery TV as we look at Paul's teaching and understand what the Holy Spirit's saying. It's very good. Stay with us. Corey is here with Ryan. Corey? Galatians chapter 5 and the offense of the cross of Christ is what you and I are going to be talking about later. Ryan? Well, here's a question for us. Did Paul contradict himself regarding the bearing of burdens? Well, some believe that he did, and we're going to discuss that a little bit more later. All right. Very interesting. There's just a lot there we could talk about. But anyway, what did you do, Jan? My segment today is called Under New Management. Okay, very good. Well, we're talking about this from Galatians chapter 6 and other places in the scripture. So get your Bible guide and open up your Bible. Remember that book? It's a very important book. Let's read what God says. Galatians 6, verses 11 through 18. See with what large letters I have written to you with my own hand. As many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, these would compel you to be circumcised, only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For not even those who are circumcised keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But God forbid, that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Galatians chapter 6, verses 11 through 18. Our reading today is Galatians chapter 5 to 6 as we 31 times go through the Bible. We're going through 32 next year. It's going to be very exciting. And today, it seems that we have replaced the Jewish law with the laws of the church culture. Often, we tell people that they cannot come into our church settings without dressing well or being well. But the gospel accounts that we really know Jesus Christ and how Jesus Christ came to save the lost, to save the lost and the rejected men in society, and how he welcomed and healed them. So the church of Jesus Christ is supposed to be following the ways of Jesus Christ, the head of the church. The rules and regulations of the church are simple from the Bible. If you are hungry, if you are lost, if you are depressed, or even if you're an outright sinner who needs restoration, come in. Meet the Lord Jesus Christ, regardless of what you look like, regardless of how you dress, regardless of how much money you have or who you are. 
You see, there are no stipulations. There are no rules. There are no rights. Just come. We must sincerely examine ourselves and the Bible and adjust our thinking into his direction. Now, that becomes very important as we focus on this. We are talking about rules and regulations from Galatians chapter 6. Last year, we studied 1 through 10. And this year, we're going to carry on from 11 to 18, chapter 6. And if you have your Bible guide, turn to that today. And if you don't, why not? We'll send you a Bible guide. So please make sure that you uh, do that. And you can get a Bible guide writing to us or calling us or going to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. When you go to Bible Discovery TV, simply click on the Bible guide. It'll take you to a page of donations. And let me say, I want to thank all of our partners for their generous donations. They keep us here. They keep us strong. They keep the lights on. That's our only support. So thank you so much for doing that. Father, I pray in Jesus' name as we look at rules and regulations, that you would help us to see your message, that you would help us to understand where the rules and regulations come into being, especially today in the church. Help us, Lord, to get back to the message of the cross and the message of how you perished, died on the cross, and rose again. Help us today in Jesus' wonderful name. And we said together, amen and amen. Now, in Galatians chapter 6, beginning with verse 11, this is what it says. We need to pay attention to it. It says, See what with or with what large letters I have written to you with my own hand, Paul says, verse 12. And as many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, these would compel you to be circumcised, only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. Paul is talking about people who said you had to be circumcised. For not even those who are circumcised keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. Now, this is very interesting. Listen carefully. Paul commands the Galatians not to promote the idea of circumcision. There is nothing we can do in ourselves to be saved. Only Jesus Christ and his work Bring the true salvation and healing. Beloved, understand this. There's no way to get on the good side of God. There's only one way to come to God, and that's through repentance, giving your life to Jesus Christ, making him Lord of your life. That's the only way. And when you do that, things begin to change radically. So, beloved, let's keep that in mind. We need to remember that. There's, people have these rules. There's no rules. You have to do that. When you come to Jesus Christ, of course, your thinking changes and everything switches around. But nevertheless, we have to come to Christ and repent to the Lord. Galatians 6, 14 and 15. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. Now, this is interesting. See, Paul directs the Galatians to understand the cross of Jesus Christ. 
He fulfilled the law. He did all of the sacrificial work necessary. He did everything. It is the power of God through Christ that brings salvation to all who believe. All who believe. Now, beloved, listen carefully. Again, I want to say there's nothing we can do. But when we come to Christ, Christ did everything. He went to the cross. First of all, he was made fun of by the high priest and the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Then the military mistreated him. Then he went to the cross. And beloved, let me tell you something. In all of that, he paid the price for sin. And we need to understand that. Our relationship is not in the law of doing rights and wrongs, but it's in the person of Jesus Christ. And when we say to God, come into my life and be the Lord of my life, he does. His spirit comes into our life and he begins to transform us. That's very, very, that's what Paul's saying here. Paul's telling us this. And this is very, very interesting. Let's go back to the scripture and learn what 16 and 18 say. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon Israel of God. From now on, let no one trouble me, no one, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now keep that in mind, because some people were suffering for their belief systems and all that. But Paul says he bears the suffering for Jesus Christ. Verse 18. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you in your spirit. Amen. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you in your spirit. Amen. Now that, that's fascinating. We need to understand that. Paul declares that his suffering bears the marks of belonging to Christ. Belonging to Christ. Jesus Christ is the one we must follow every day single day. Did you get that? Every single day. Now, that's a challenge. When I get up in the morning and I pray and I, I say, Lord, I, I need you. And I pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Holy is your name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, I say, Lord, your ways, not mine. Your styles, not mine. Your culture, not mine. Be done in my life, here on earth, the way that it is in heaven. This is the key, beloved. We must align ourselves to knowing God and keep ourselves close to the Lord during the times in which we live right now. These are the end times, and I believe that God is going to do something very dramatic. But let's keep our eyes and our attitude directed on Jesus Christ. Very, very important.
Well, it's time now to carry on with our Bible study, and today we read Galatians chapters 5 and 6. And I'm focusing my particular study on chapter 6 because some Bible cynics have claimed that Paul contradicted himself in regard to the bearing of burdens. For example, skeptics ask, should every man bear his own burden? Well, apparently, yes, according to Galatians chapter 6, verse 5, but no, according to Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. So what are we to make of this? Did Paul really contradict himself only three verses later? Let's study. Because the Bible declares itself to be inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, it is offensive to mankind's natural inclination to follow in his own selfish and sinful ways. Hence, great effort has been put into suppressing such ideas. As such, there have been many false claims that the Bible is littered with errors and contradictions, and thus must be discredited as a divine revelation. As an example, consider the allegation brought against the Apostle Paul that he contradicted himself regarding the bearing of burdens. In particular, should every man bear his own burden? Apparently, yes, according to Galatians chapter 6, verse 5, but no, according to Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. In this passage, Paul teaches believers that if anyone is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, Paul says, and so fulfill the law of Christ. But, says the apostle, let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another. For each one shall bear his own burden. So it seems that Paul instructs believers to bear one another's burdens, and yet in the very next breath says that each person should bear his own burden. However, the error does not lie in the Apostle's teaching, but with the critic. In fact, as logic expert Jason Lyle explains, the critic has committed the equivocation fallacy, where he has assumed that burden is being used in the same sense in verse 2 as it is in 5. Not only does context preclude this, explains Lyle, but the original Greek word is not the same between these two verses. Verse 2 uses the Greek word beros for burden and has the meaning of a weight or trouble. In context with verse 1, Paul is teaching that Christians ought to volunteer to help one another with their spiritual difficulties, gently restoring those who have sinned. Verse 5 uses the word fortion for burden, which has the meaning of a load. In context with verse 4, Paul is teaching that each person should be concerned with the work that has been assigned to him, and not presumptuously judge others for their assignments. There is no contradiction in instructing people to help each other, but reminding them that they will answer to God for their own assignments, and not another's. So to summarize, it's not the Bible that is an error here, but the Bible cynic. That's because he or she has wrongly supposed that the word burden means the same thing in both verses 2 and 5, even though the context clearly makes the difference. Further, if the skeptic had checked the original Greek of this passage, he or she would have also realized that the two words are not actually the same. They're two totally different Greek words. Verse 2 uses a Greek word that has the meaning of a weight or trouble, but verse 5 uses a Greek word which has the meaning of a load. Paul's point here is to help each other, yes, but also to keep in mind that each of us will answer to God for our own assignments and not another's. It's important to remember that the original languages of the scripture was Greek and then Hebrew with Aramaic uh, in Ezra, of course, and in Daniel. And it's important to 
understand that when you look up the original, which you can do at blueletterbible.com and mm -hmm. other places, you find the meaning of the words and oftentimes they are different. For example, one meaning of the number of the beast, the mark of the beast or the end times uh, Lord over the, over the world is 666. But it says that the mark of the beast is a mark and the Greek word refers to a physical mark. And I think that's very important in our very electronical and uh, demographic way in which we see ourselves with the genome and everything else. So we need to keep that in our hearts and keep that in our minds. Very good, Ryan. For sure. Excellent. Corey? All right. Well, you and I are going to be focusing in on Galatians chapter 5. And in this chapter, Paul makes a, a very small reference to the offense of the cross of Christ. Now to understand what Paul is talking about here, because you know we live in a society where the cross really isn't that offensive. If you think of the, the sign of a cross, you think of Christianity, you think of Catholicism, uh, you think of necklaces that Christians wear, you think of Easter, uh, but you don't, it's not an offensive thing to our culture necessarily because we are a very Christianized culture. Uh, but in the ancient world, that's not the case. It wasn't the case. So let's take a look at Roman crucifixion in order to understand Paul's comment here. It's difficult for the modern reader of the Bible to fully understand many of the New Testament references to crucifixion. Today, crucifixion isn't primarily associated with the ancient practice, but rather with Jesus Christ. The cross has become an enduring symbol of Christianity, Crosses decorate churches, Bibles, and the necks of the devout. A close look at the cross's scriptural mentions, however, reveal its shocking history as the most culturally shameful element of Christianity. At its core, the message of Jesus crucified was, as Paul puts it, foolishness to those who are perishing, and that we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews, and foolishness to the Gentiles. What exactly is meant by this? Historian of religion Martin Hengel, in his work titled Crucifixion, masterfully overviews this ancient practice. He demonstrates that it was spread far and wide across time, distance, and cultures. Early on, it had associations with human sacrifice, but its primary usage was as a punishment for political and military purposes. It was used as a deterrent against rebellion and treason, with the condemned being crucified in the territories where they rebelled. In Rome, it was reserved only for slaves and the lowest classes, but a person could be stripped of their citizenship or freedman status and executed as a rebel slave. It was seen as the worst death imaginable because it stripped one of all honor, status, and dignity, and it involved the torture of victims prior to the physical crucifixion. Interestingly, crucifixion was prized by the powerful as a means of control, praised by the masses for its ability to bring security to Rome, for example, through ridding the seas of pirates, while at the same time becoming unmentionable to the civilized. It was so shameful as to be a taboo, a byword, an offense just to speak it. It's believed that most large Roman cities had a special place of crucifixion that always boasted the main support beams of crosses and torture devices, standing testament to the fate awaiting the rebellious. 
Imagine then the impact of Jesus' statement that his true followers must pick up their crosses and follow him. Powerful gods were not reduced to slavery and did not allow themselves to be ridiculed. This sentiment is illustrated in the famous graffiti of a crucified Jesus with a donkey's head. Jesus' crucifixion was an effective stumbling block to the Jews who believed Deuteronomy's curse to those hung on a tree. How could the Messiah be cursed? Nevertheless, this is exactly what Christianity asserts, that Jesus humbled himself, taking the very nature of a slave. He was obedient to death, even death on a cross. So I hope that this study has helped you to understand this offense of the cross, you know, to have, to be following a savior, to be following a leader that experienced the most shameful punishment that was available in that day was very astounding. It was offensive to Gentiles and Jews alike, and Christians willingly took on this shame as they went about, you know, their lives in society and, and began preaching the gospel. So it's something to think about today um, in our culture that is vastly different. And it is different, but at the same time, let's remember that the cross was the end result. Yes. That there was uh, the mockery by all of the people in the priesthood, the Caiaphas mm -hmm. and the high priest and all that, that was the mockery and the embarrassment there. Then there was the torture, if you would, by the military people mm -hmm. who dressed up Jesus and all that, and they hit him and beat him and whipped him and everything else. And then there was the cross. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of people forget that. It's not just the cross, but it's all of those things yes. leading up to that. And we also forget that, you know, God didn't save us so that we could be entirely accepted by society or that we could have a really comfortable life. That's not what it's about. God wants us to be healthy and living in the truth with him. And, and you know, if early Christians were willing to not only take on the, the moral, you know, shock of, Christian values, but also the shame of the cross, you know, that puts into perspective for us, you know, when we feel uncomfortable as Christians standing up for the truth of the gospel or standing against, standing for, I think, the morality of God, it can be a really uncomfortable thing. But, you know, we have a, a really good line of Christians going all the way back from the beginning that understand, you know, standing with Christ rather than standing with the world. Absolutely. Tomorrow night is a very important night, 7 o'clock. Yes. What's going on? Okay, 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern time. We will be here live. It's a free live event. We're calling it Prayer, Worship, and Warfare. So we're going to be talking about those issues from uh, the Bible, from our uh, cultural context in the Christian life as well. Uh, so if you would like to join us, uh, go to our Bible Discovery TV YouTube channel, our Bible Discovery TV Facebook page as well. We're going to be airing it there. You can jump on the chat, ask us questions as we go, and we'll be responding to your questions and comments. So it's not just going to be a one-way conversation. So again, uh, Friday, November 26th, 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern time. Excellent. Janice. This is some of the ways that we can use social media avenues to be able to connect better with you. We would like to extend our table and have you all sitting right here with us. We can't do that 
but we can invite you to come. So we are looking forward to that tomorrow night. Now, we were reading today Galatians chapter 6, verses 11 through 18. And Rod, you spoke on that today. You taught on that today, and it was very good. There are uh, three little words that stuck out to me again today, and that's a new creation. We read it back when Paul said it in 2 Corinthians verse 17 he declared therefore if anyone is in Christ he is a new creation old things have passed away behold or take note all things have become new and here uh, uh, Paul is talking to the church in Galatia talking about glorying only in the cross the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross and he says in verse 15, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. There's nothing that we can do in our body or, or anything else that we can do to earn our salvation. It comes only through the work that Jesus Christ did by giving his life, by shedding his blood on that cross, and then rising again to life on the third day gives us the gift of eternal life. We will be raised to life that way. We're a new creation. So today, my segment was called Under New Management because when I come to Christ and I recognize who he is and what he did for me, and I give my life to follow him, I submit my will to him. I acknowledge him in everything that I do. I don't lean on my own understanding, but I come to him and he will direct my paths like a sheep. I, he is my shepherd and I follow him and I learn his voice and what he expects me to be. Paul understood that in a personal way. He encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus. He was very zealous for God, thinking that he was doing the work of God when actually he was persecuting Jesus and Jesus confronted him. His life was dramatically changed. He literally became a new creation in Christ. The things that Paul or Saul had thought that he, who he was and what his direction in life was changed drastically by the Lord Jesus Christ and, and his encounter that Paul had, who became the Apostle Paul, it changed. And so with us, when we are confronted with the truth of who Jesus Christ is, when we say yes Lord, I believe that you are the son of God, that you died on the cross and rose again for me to forgive me of my sins. And that's the way I can be reconciled to God the Father. I accept you as my Lord. You become a new creation. The old begins to pass away. You're filled with God's Holy Spirit. And that begins a transformation as you allow God to work in your life to remove those old things that separate you from God and to help you to follow Him and be close to Him. At the end of the program today, I just want to remind you that Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 3.30 New York time or Eastern Standard Time, we are live on Facebook and YouTube at Bible Discovery TV to pray for you. 
So come to our prayer meetings and we'll take care of talking to God about our needs. Today we pray and say, Lord, help me on this day to share my testimony with others. Bring to me people that I can share what Jesus Christ did for me. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name.